Nate, Herb, thank you. All right. Well, who's excited to be at Night Vision this year? Who's thankful to be here this year? The theme this year is thankfulness, and I am very thankful to be with you here in beautiful Colorado. Having recently moved to New Mexico a few years ago, I'm excited every time I get back to the Colorado mountains, so I'm thankful to be here. But we have so much more to be thankful for, and today I want to talk to you a little bit about that, but I want to go beyond just thankfulness. I want to talk to you about living life to the fullest. Because I think most of us, we recognize that what Jesus promised is more than the world could ever offer. Life to its fullest. But a lot of us sometimes feel like we're coming up short of that. So I want to encourage you from God's word today. And I really believe that what we talk about could change your life. Not because of me, but because it's going to be straight from God's word. And God's word changes us fundamentally. So I want to talk to you about living life to the fullest. And within that context, I want to recognize the emptiness that so many people are feeling today. And it's not just non-Christians. The, the world around us is full of emptiness. But I think a lot of Christians even oftentimes feel that same emptiness. When you look around the world, you see depression, you see addiction, suicide. I think our society is more polarized than it's ever been. We see the family breaking down, divorce all around us. All these things are symptoms of a reality that there is real emptiness in a lot of people's lives. And even as Christians, a lot of times you, we've been given the abundant life, we've been given life to its fullness, but sometimes we don't feel like we're experiencing it. Sometimes we feel a lot like the rest of the world might feel, to be very honest. I believe there are people here right now this afternoon that might feel a sense of emptiness. I want to talk to you. But even if you're experiencing fullness in Christ, I know you're going to get a lot out of what I talk about today. So today we're going to be jumping into scripture and dealing with some of these issues. And the foundation for all of this is that Jesus promised life to its fullest. He promised that in John 10.10. 10. He contrasted what he came to do with what Satan does. He steals, he kills, and destroys. But Jesus gives life and gives it to the full. So I want to talk about that today. And as I start, I want you to be very honest with yourself. Are you experiencing that life to its fullest that Jesus promised right now? Do you feel like you're experiencing life to its fullness? How are you really doing? I want you to ask yourself that question. If you're doing awesome, praise the Lord. You have a lot of people that need to be encouraged by you. But if you're not, it's okay. Because today we're going to get into God's word and be encouraged by it. Many believers do feel like they're missing out. I'm going to share some vulnerable stories about myself today. Some stories from college and back in my college days. And one of them is living on empty. Now this is a little bit figurative. But with my car, I often lived on empty because I was a college student and didn't have much money. So very many times I would be uh, going right down to E and trying to, to get as much out of that last fume of gas as I possibly could. And that actually for a while created a, a little bit of a, a way that I did things. And 16 years ago, I married my wife 
And uh, that first winter, I took her snowboarding in, or in Wolf Creek, right, right outside of Pagosa. And she kept saying, we need to get gas before we head up the pass. And I kept saying, no, we're good, we're good. And uh, sure enough, we went totally empty right on the pass. Um, that's a horrible way to live life, but it's really, really horrible to live that way spiritually. Does that make sense? We don't have to live on fumes. And Jesus has given us everything that we need so we don't have to. So in Colossians 2, the Apostle Paul talks about this. And he gives us three keys to experiencing life to its fullest. And we're going we're gonna to grow a lot as we hear what he shares with the Colossian believers. He wrote this book from prison. A lot of people think it's one of his deepest theological books. And he wrote it to address some of the false teaching that was going on in that city. They had people that were teaching asceticism and, and a harsh treatment of your body. Try to be spiritual by punishing yourself. They had people that were teaching forms of Gnosticism. They had people that were te teaching forms of Judaism. Go back to doing the old things from the law. They had all these different things, even mysticism. And the Colossians had tried all that stuff and they'd come up empty. And Paul is reminding them, Jesus is it. If, 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 if Jesus isn't filling you, nothing else is going to fill you up. And so he gives them three principles that I think are incredibly important for us to, to latch on to today in chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. The, the first one is thankfulness. We're here at a music festival in beautiful Colorado. The theme is thankfulness, and this is one of the first things that Paul talks to the Colossians about. The next is confidence. You're not going to get very far in anything if you struggle with insecurity and doubt, right? Confidence is, is a very important feature. And we're going to learn about what it means today to have confidence in Christ and who he is, okay? The last thing that Paul talks about, I believe, is closeness. Closeness to the Lord. He talks about Jesus being God, not just a prophet, not just a teacher, but God in human flesh. And he is in you. Paul tells the Colossians in this passage. We will never experience fullness in life outside of a life abiding with the Lord Jesus. That is the key. So I want to jump right into thankfulness in verses 6 through 7. Paul says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So we're called to be growing in our walks with God, but growing in a context of thankfulness. And this is absolutely vital to our growth. Um, it's easy to get our life focused on expectations that may or may not ever materialize, or all the things that we don't have that we could have or might want to have, and it really robs joy, it robs fullness. Uh, another story from college, my college years, I had recently been sponsored as a snowboarder. That had been a dream for a long time. I should have been very thankful with that. But I went to the uh, International Snowboarding Convention in Las Vegas. And while I was there, I felt like I needed affirmation from a lot of the people that were there. My identity in Christ at that time in my life, I didn't believe it was enough for me. I wanted the affirmation of people. While we were there, somebody on the on the snowboard team that I was sponsored by was uh, putting Jim Beam in people's scopes. And I didn't want to be the weird guy that said, no, I'm a Christian, I don't want that, right? So I just kept going with the flow, drinking it. 
Uh, the next morning I woke up in the hotel room. I have no idea how I even got back. I looked down at my wrist and I had a what would Jesus do bracelet on. And it hit me that day that that's not going to satisfy. That I cannot be waiting for other people's affirmation. That my, my true affirmation came from Christ alone. Uh, that's where we got to get in our walk with God, where we have a sense of thankfulness concerning what he's done in our lives, how he's blessed us, what he's doing through us. And that will give us so much joy. See, we can be looking at God through our circumstances. And when we do that, God looks small and our circumstances look insurmountable. Or we can look at our circumstances through God and realize that God really is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. When that happens, scripture says in Psalm 69 that we magnify God with thanksgiving. We see him for who he is because we're thankful and realize what he's doing all around us. If you want to experience life to its fullness, I beg you, it starts with thankfulness and realizing how much you're blessed in the Lord. Okay? But Paul also talks about something else. In verse 8, he says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This is absolutely critical that we catch this. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. See, we can be uh, drawn away from that place of fullness by deception. And we have, a, 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 we have an enemy that is lying to us. And I want to I go into a topic that maybe some Christians feel is kind of uh, really for the smart people. But it's not. It's for all of us. And this is apologetics. How many of you are familiar with the concept of apologetics? Probably a lot of you. Now, as Christians, we're all called to this. In 1 Peter 3.15, we're all called to give a defense when we're asked and to be able to. So apologetics is something that all of us are called to. But seriously, if we're going to do what Paul is saying here, if we're going to be able to catch those lies and say no to them when we hear them, we have to be at a place where we know what we believe, right? It's absolutely critical. I dealt with doubt for many, many years, guys. And I'm fortunate enough today to, to have a radio show where we get to interview some of the biggest apologists in the world. Guess what? Most of them dealt with a lot of doubt for many years. And the reason that they're able to share the evidence today is because they've learned the answers to share with others as they've dealt with doubt, okay? If you're dealing with doubt and you feel like it's robbing your joy, maybe you feel like it's robbing the fullness that Christ has promised you, I want you to know that there are solid answers and you can walk in confidence today. I'm going to share some of those with you. But before I share that, I want you to know you're not alone. Just last year, Barna did a, a study on doubt and found that two-thirds of Christians struggle with doubt. So if this is you and you feel like it's robbing the fullness that Christ has promised you, know that you're not alone and remember Christ's perspective. Look at the compassion that he treated Thomas with as Thomas doubted. And know that he's going to do the same with you. Our team has put together this Best Facts tool. I told you about it. The Best Facts is just an acronym that can remind you of some of the solid reasons that you can know with confidence that what you believe is really true. I'm going to give away five copies today, but we have more at the merchandise tent that we'll give you for any donation that you want to make. 
The main point goes, we want you to learn this acronym, this tool, so you can be confident in defending your faith. So, somebody might ask you, how do you know God is even real? How do you even know that there is a God? The best acronym gives us four solid reasons that we can know with confidence that God really is real. Number one, the beginning of the universe. There's no way to explain how all of this could come to exist without a cause greater than all of this. It's a very simple uh, argument, but it's true. There is a creator. Without a creator, none of this could be in existence, and it is. Uh, and look at how incredibly engineered it is. If you were to look into some of the features of the universe that are perfectly fine-tuned for us, they are mind-boggling, right? This is what philosophers might call the engineering argument for God, or the engineering of the universe, a teleological argument. But the point being, when we see design, we know there's a designer behind it. You know, standards and morality, we all know that there are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. Even atheists know that. But without an ultimate standard of right and wrong, there couldn't be any such thing. It's just atoms and molecules. And we know that atoms and molecules don't have morals, right? The fact that anything is right or wrong points to a lawgiver and sustainer, namely God. And that's not a weak argument for God's existence. That one actually convinced C.S. Lewis that God was really real. Uh, you guys, I also got to tell you about the truth about Jesus, T in that first acronym. We believe that Jesus is God, God in human flesh. The Bible says that clearly. And the evidence for Jesus is overwhelming. Uh, it's, it's irrefutable. But beyond the evidence for Jesus, the evidence for his resurrection is irrefutable. And this is no joke. The biggest skeptic of Christianity today, the biggest skeptic of the resurrection would say, resurrections don't happen, so I don't care how good the evidence is, it didn't happen. Which is actually a logical fallacy called begging the question. It's assuming something, ignoring the evidence, and coming up with your own assumption at the conclusion. That's his response to the evidence. I can assure you that the evidence for the resurrection is irrefutable. And if Jesus really came and lived a perfect life on this earth, demonstrated to us that he was really God, that he had power over nature, power over sin, power over death, we can trust him. So those are four solid arguments for God. But I want to tell you a few for the Bible, too. Because we as Christians believe this is true. This isn't just something we like. This is true. And we can live our lives based on it. The Bible foretells the future, guys. There are hundreds of prophecies throughout Scripture. Some would say a couple thousand. There are more than a hundred about Jesus alone. And we're not talking vague prophecies. Isaiah prophesied Cyrus by name 150 years before the guy was even born. And what he would do. Daniel prophesied in chapter 2 500 years of what would happen in Israel. And in chapter 8 he prophesied the exact year that Jesus would die for our sins. Right? We're not talking vague prophecies. The Bible is full of solid prophecies. It's also archaeologically accurate. You guys, the archaeological evidence for the Bible is unbelievable. And it's growing every year. They just found a few weeks ago the, the signature of Isaiah, basically. The bull of Isaiah. And there are many more like it. But we can know what we read here is historically accurate. You know, the Bible is also coherent. It speaks clearly about reality. And it speaks clearly about me. It tells me that I'm a sinner that needs a savior. When every other religion is saying, just try harder to do it on your own. The Bible nails the nail on the head. It's coherent. 
You guys, the Bible's translated correctly. We have thousands of manuscripts that these, that these Bibles are drawn from, that your Bible is drawn from. And you can look at the original languages, the Greek and the Hebrew, and see for yourself that it's translated correctly. You know, a lot of people say you can't trust it because it's been translated so many times. Well, of course there have been some bad translations, but we can go right back to the sources, and we can know that what we hold in our hand today came straight from God for us. You guys, finally, and I love this because my degree in college was chemistry, there's science throughout the Bible. It's amazing. The Bible talks about radioactive decay, Trust me, get the book, you'll see. It talks about the beginning of the universe, the expansion of the universe, entropy, and you could go on and on and on. It even says things that modern science have proven like Adam and Eve. The Bible says it all started with one man and one woman, right? Do you know that science has confirmed that every person on this planet comes from one woman? And that every man on this planet comes from one man? We knew that was the case, right? We read it right here. You guys, you can believe this, and you can live your life on this. And I'm telling you today that if you don't, you'll never experience fullness. You'll never experience what God has for you until you step out in faith and say, I have every reason in the world to live my life based on what God's word tells me. But I promise you, the second you take that step, you will burst into a life of fullness that you never expected before. You guys... I want to remind you, please pick this up at the merch tent because I think you're going to grow in your faith as you get into some of that evidence. But I want to talk about something right now as we close that's even more important. And this is closeness with God. Let's finish out the last two verses here uh, in, in this passage. Paul continues, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. See, the fullness that Paul is talking about, that he tells the Colossians they already have, is only experienced in Christ. Guys, we need to walk with thankfulness. We need to be confident that we're really living our lives based on what's true. But at the end of the day, we experience fullness as we live in unity with Jesus, as we abide in him as we experience him every single day in very real and authentic ways. See, the Colossian false teachers were denying the deity and work of Christ. And this is where Paul brought it right back to. Outside of him, we are never gonna experience fullness. I'll tell you a, a last story about myself from college that was kind of embarrassing. I was pretty poor in college, like I said before. And a few times my checking account was right at zero. And it hit me, I could open up a separate checking account, and I could write checks from that account to that account, and then from that account to that account, and always have a balance. And I told it to a friend, and the friend said, you'll go to jail if you do that. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? You can't, you can't put emptiness into your account and have money. <laughs> but a lot of times we try to do that in our walks with God, don't we? We, we say we're following Jesus, but we're trying to fill ourselves up with everything the world has to offer. It's never going to work until we come back to, to a place of abiding in Him. Here's the truth. Jesus is God. He loves every one of you with an undying, everlasting love. Think of the worst thing that you've ever done, the worst thing that you've ever said. I assure you, He still loves you. 
You're also a sinner, and so am I. And there's no way for a perfect God to abide and be in unity with a sinful, imperfect person. As a sinner, you cannot be with God. I don't care how hard you try, how much you go to church, how much you read the Bible, how much you pray, until God has taken care of your sin, you cannot be in relationship with Him. But the good news is that Jesus, God Himself, came and He paid the penalty for your sin. He went to the cross, He died for you, for me, and He did it so that you wouldn't have to. He did it so that by believing in Him, you could receive His forgiveness. And in that very moment, when you trust in Him as Savior and Lord, when you put your faith in Him, you're forgiven and you're adopted into His family. He comes to live in you through His Holy Spirit. You can experience Him every single day of your life and you can experience the abundance that He promised you, the fullness that He promises. So my challenge today is to take that step if you haven't already. If you've never come to that point, of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, why wait another minute? The evidence is compelling. He is who he says he is, and you can trust him. And I know and you know that outside of him, you're not happy. So I encourage you right now, take that step. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Today I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. If you took that step today, I want to ask you just to put a little mark in this box that says, I began a relationship with Jesus today. We want to connect with you and give you a few resources to help you grow in your faith. If you're at a point where you're saying, I need to rededicate my life to Christ today, please let us know that and, and mark that on here. If you want to get plugged into a local church, we'd love to help you with that too. Let us know. If you want to get baptized, like maybe you made a decision today and you want to Show the world that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. You can get baptized right here at Night Vision. We have a baptismal over there. Let us know that that's what you want to do. You guys put your name on there and some other info. Even if you didn't make any of those decisions, put your name on there so you can be a part of the drawing. Because uh, right about now, our team is going to start going through the crowd and uh, getting these response cards. Well, as I, as I close, it doesn't end with salvation. Many of you have already trusted Christ. It doesn't end there. You have the privilege of living every single day abiding with Christ, following Him in all that He's called you to. Bill Bright said there are no happy, disobedient Christians and there are no unhappy, obedient Christians. I promise you, as you walk with Jesus, stepping into the things that He calls you to step into, trusting Him with risks and things that are beyond your ability, you will experience fullness like you never have before. So for those of you that, that know the Lord, I encourage you, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And you're the people that God wants to use to reach that world. So please, let the Lord use you and shine through you. So as I close, guys, I want to challenge you. Don't sleep by on fumes. <laughs> don't, don't let that spiritual gas tank get down to empty. Don't try to fill that tank up with all the junk the world says will fill you because it just won't. Live life to its fullest. Grow in thankfulness with the Lord. Please, as you're doing that, grow in confidence in your walk with God. Know that what you believe is really true. And if you're struggling with doubt, deal with it and get the answers. 
And finally, grow in closeness with your Savior, because that is the only place where we will ever experience true fullness. Thank you so much. I hope and pray that you get a lot out of the rest of this event. And keep him in prayer. He goes all over the world to minister there.